and welcome to the Adaptation Station podcast. This is your host, Nicole. I'm a former special education teacher and currently an ABA therapist at a private center. This podcast is filled with tips and tricks for not only being the best special education teacher you can be in the classroom, but living the best life you can live outside of the classroom as well. After all, I'm all about balance. Hope you guys are excited. Let's jump on in. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Adaptation Station podcast. Today, we're talking about fine motor pins, and I do recommend at some point you click on the link in the description of this podcast because that'll take you to a blog post where I have all 10 bins prepped. You can see pictures of what I'm talking about, but this podcast will kind of describe some of the different things that you can incorporate into fine motor bins to help your students. Now, if you're familiar with my blog or my social media accounts, then you know that when I was in the classroom, I liked to run things in small groups. I would take all of my students and split them into groups and have those groups rotate. So we used this frequently with reading and math. I would teach reading to one group and the other group would do reading centers with an assistant and then we would flip. We did the same thing with math. Well, I really wanted to do this with my writing and language arts block. But the problem I had was I had a lot of students who needed more support than one person could give them in writing. So my group of four students might go over to my TA to do writing centers, but three out of the four of them needed hand-over-hand support to complete any writing task. And so that just made it really difficult for her to be successful. So I talked with my occupational therapist about what we could do to kind of help in that area. I wanted something that was still really meaningful, but not as challenging to do during the center time. And she and I came up with fine motor bins. Fine motor bins are perfect for students who struggle with hand coordination and benefit from that explicit practice with basic tracing, lacing, and cutter skills. It's a really great addition to any writing center or really any self-contained classroom because a lot of the times once your students learn how to do them a student can independently use a bin while the other students work on tasks that might take more adult interaction so it's a really nice thing to implement into your classroom the 10 bins that i used again are all pictured in the blog post but the first one i love to do was ripping paper And for this one, I really like to have a template that students would rip paper and then glue the pieces into. So maybe I had a template of a fish or of a car. And when I would search for these, I would Google outlines or black line images. So I'd want an apple that was completely white on the inside so my student could rip up red paper and glue it into the apple. You can use tissue paper if you want something that rips easily. You can do construction paper to build more of a challenge. But that was a really easy one to implement. Another one I like to do was called trees in the grass. And so the idea of this one is you take a strip and your students are cutting it to make it look like grass. And a key out of this one is not cutting it all the way through so that way the bottom portion stays connected. And if that's really confusing, go look at the picture. But it was great for my students to not only work on cutting, but understanding to stop at a certain point. The other one I would do is just simple cutting. So maybe cutting pieces of paper. You can have those pieces of paper have images on them. So maybe your student loves Mickey Mouse. You have a row of 10 Mickey Mouses and they're cutting each Mickey Mouse off. But if you don't have time to do that, you can just put a strip of paper in the bin and have them cut it. 
And that's what I love about all of these is it's super customizable. So if you have a student that loves a certain item, make their fine motor bins be all around that item. You know, I had a student that loved bugs. So everything he did had a bee or a spider or a ladybug or a butterfly on it. And that helped him get interested as well. And so any of these things that we're doing, you know, you can have them cutting apart pictures or gluing pictures or anything with things that they love. Another one that I loved was cutting Play-Doh. I hope I pronounced this correctly, but I had extruders that I bought from Amazon. And the best way I can describe it is it's almost like a push pop that you would eat. So there is the tube and then there's the piece that you push up into the tube and something comes out the top. And so we would stuff those with Play-Doh. And my students, for some of my students, just pushing the Play-Doh up was enough for them. Or some of my students could be pushing the Play-Doh up and snipping across the top. And the good thing about this one is once you buy it, other than maybe having to replace the Play-Doh every now and then, it just continues to run. Whereas the ones that are paper-based, you're having to replace that paper. This one, once the Play-Doh comes out, you just stuff it all back into the can and then use it again. So this was a favorite one of mine. And it was really motivating for my students who enjoyed Play-Doh. Another one that I had in there was nuts and bolts. This activity was recommended by my occupational therapist. It's a really simple close-ended task that allows students to learn those simple twisting mechanics. Now, if you're looking for a more age-appropriate way to do this, if you want to do this in a secondary setting, you can just go to your local hardware store and pick up nuts and bolts. It's very age-appropriate, it's very affordable, and easy to access. However, I was teaching in the elementary setting, so I opted for a set of larger plastic nuts and bolts from Amazon. These were much bigger than traditional nuts and bolts, so it was easier for my students to grasp as they learned the skill, and it was colorful and made it a little bit more fun for them. And I do have those linked in the blog post as well as the extruders I was just talking about. Another great one is a hole punch. So use a single-handed hole punch to punch holes in a card. This is a really simple one to incorporate. You don't need any special supplies. You can just have a basic scrap of paper and the hole punch. If you want, you can have pictures that students are hole punching. or And again, you can customize it. So maybe you have 10 ladybugs on the card and the student has to hole punch all 10 ladybugs. So you can customize it or you can just use whatever you find in your classroom. I also liked having students cut straws. So it's similar to that Play-Doh concept, but instead of cutting Play-Doh, they're cutting plastic straws. It provides a different texture for students to cut through, and it helps them generalize their cutting skills to different settings. I also recommend saving those cut straws because those can make a great sensory bin filler if you do sensory bins in your classroom. A fun one is a sticker bin, and so this is a great skill to work on peeling, work on that fine motor, and hitting a target. So students just peel stickers and try and hit the targets on a page. My students loved filling up their boards with different stickers, and which made this a favorite task. Now you can make the board be customized. So you could have a board that had, again, 12 ladybugs on it, and they have to put a generic sticker on each ladybug. Or you could buy stickers that have whatever the kids love. So if they love Disney, a set of Disney stickers that they're using to keep them more engaged. And the great thing about this one is you can print up a pretty template that has targets or you can grab a piece of scrap paper, dab it eight times with a bingo marker and then have them work on it. 
And again, this is a great one to think about if you have a student that's maybe struggling with matching tasks, and some of you might be able to picture what I'm talking about. I've had students before who were struggling to complete like a matching file folder, not because they didn't know how to match, but because they couldn't hit their target. So if they had that Velcro piece, they never actually attached it to the board because it was four inches to the left. This is a good one to help them work on seeing something and then touching something right on top of it. So in the Peeling the sticker is pulling in the fine motor. So it's working a dual purpose there. I really liked using clothespins in these as well. And these are my last two examples. I like to do color clothespins. I actually found the tasks that I use in the Target dollar spot. You can easily recreate this on your own. Uh, students were clipping the color words to the matching color from the one from the dollar spot. But if you're making this on your own, just cut a circle from cardstock make six pieces in it and laminate it. So I would like make a pie and I would color each section something different. So I would cut it into six pieces and one section would be orange, one would be yellow, one would be green. And then after I laminate it, that makes it more durable and students can match the colors. So you can write the color words. You could just color the clothespins. You can provide more or less support depending on what your students need. Another one that I like to do was letter matching. One of my assistants actually came up with this idea like my second year of teaching. So it was a task that we used for years. She just wrote out the alphabet. So she cut like two pieces, long pieces of cardstock. She wrote letters A through M on the first one and M through Z on the second one. She laminated it and then she wrote letters on clothespins and had the kids match. Really easy one to set up really easy to customize. You can use numbers instead. You can do shapes. So draw a circle, a square, a triangle, and they match clothespins with the same one. You can have them do their names. So maybe their name is Joshua and the six letters of Joshua are on their clothespins and they match it. Maybe you have ones for their sight words. You know, anything that you can think of that you'd be working on using clothespins, you can customize into this. And then all of my fine motor bins fit right into pencil cases. So like the traditional pencil boxes that have the latch closed, I just got a set of 10 of those. Each one fit a fine motor bin. It was easy to store in my classroom, pretty self-explanatory for my assistant to run. And again, a lot of the times, like especially with a sticker one, even my students that needed more support with writing could independently stick stickers on a page. And so it was something that was very meaningful, that was targeting really important skills, but was a little bit easier for them to do independently, which freed that assistant to help a student that was doing a more complex task. So I hope this podcast gave you some ideas on how you could incorporate fine motor bins. I feel like a lot of times things like this sound really daunting, but when you see them prepped, it makes a whole lot of sense. And most of the stuff you probably already have in your classroom or your house to make happen. But go click that link of that blog post because you'll see pictures of everything set up. There are some products that I linked in there from TPT and Amazon. And I have two free downloads that you could use. The downloads are great for the hole punching task and the sticker task because there are some images already set up that you could just print and go. So I can't wait to see you guys set up fine motor bins if you do make them. Send me a picture on Instagram or tag me in a picture and I'd love to get more ideas of ones I could use with my clients. I'll catch you guys in the next podcast. Bye. 
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. If you like what you heard, I would greatly appreciate if you left me some feedback. And if you want to hear more, go ahead and give me a follow. While you're at it, come say hi on social media. You can find me at Adaptation Station on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and AdaptationStation.net. It's taco night in my house, so I'm going to go have a delicious dinner and a margarita, and I will talk to you guys again next Friday.